Hey guys, welcome to the Landlord Real Estate Investing Show. This is a new show that the discount property investors, Mike Slane and David Dodge, are putting out there. Uh, we are very excited to share with you all of our Burr success and failure stories uh, to help you guys learn how to Burr invest in real estate and do it the right way. Uh, again, this show is put out there by the Discount Property Investors, so you're going to see some of our content come from uh, our, our Discount Property Investors show. But we're going to put out some exclusive content here on the Landlord Show for you guys, specific to the Burr Method and landlords in particular, how landlords invest, how we see the world a little bit differently and that is the premise of this show. So this is just the introductory episode. Wanted to get something out there and let you guys know what we are about, what we are going to do, and what we are focusing on. I, Mike Slane, love the Burr Method. It is the coolest way uh, to buy assets that cash flow for you. Uh, one of the things that I like about it is anybody starting out can build a rental portfolio. You don't have to wait and save and save and save before you buy a property. You learn about real estate investing by doing, and you can do this by using other people's money. These are the things I've always heard about and never really fully understood until I started applying the Burr method in our business and started acquiring rental properties without using my own money, without saving up. This is such a powerful way to acquire property. So what is the Burr Method? Real quickly, guys, you know, hopefully what it's about. It's about buying. Uh, how do I buy with nobody else's without using my money? We use private lenders or hard money lenders. Then we rehab the property. So we're going to create value. We're going to add value to a property by rehabbing it. Uh, next, we're going to rent it out. So we're going to get someone else to pay for that property for me, guys. They're going to be paying that hard money lender. They're going to be paying that uh, private lender in the short term because the next step is refinance. And what I'm going to do here is I'm going to find a bank to refinance me out of that more expensive short-term loan, give me a long-term loan with a more favorable interest rate. It's going to help me increase my cash flow and hold that property for the long term. Next step, guys, I'm going to repeat. So again, I'm able to utilize someone else's money to acquire an asset, a cash flowing asset, fix it up, then refinance it. Now I've got a rental portfolio in our, our rental property in our portfolio for virtually no money, hopefully no money out of pocket. That is what we're all about. That's what we're going to be talking about. Thank you guys so much for joining us on this podcast. Look forward to bringing you guys more. Welcome back to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. Our mission is to share what we have learned from our experience and the experience of others to help you make more money investing like a pro. We want to teach you how to create wealth by investing in real estate the discount property investor way. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, visit freewholesalecourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. Thanks for tuning in. All right, guys, welcome back to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. It's been a couple of weeks since we've done an episode, so I'm happy to be back. I am your host, David Dodge, and today I have a special guest, Josh Ferrari out of Mobile, Alabama. 
And this guy is hitting the ground running, doing some amazing things. I'm honored to have you on the show today, Josh. How are you doing today, buddy? Good, man. Glad to be on this show. Excited. Uh, excited to talk about whatever it is that, whatever direction you want to take it. Well, I'm actually really fascinated with you, man. You are 24 years old down in Mobile, Alabama, and you've built quite the business, and you've only been doing this for how long? A little over three years. A little over three years, man. I mean, that's that's really not that long at all. I'm impressed. So, Josh, tell me a little bit about yourself, man. Yeah, so I... And my day job, my W-2 job, which I still work, is an aircraft technician, uh, turning wrenches, fixing airplanes, mainly wide body aircraft um, for some larger airliners and freighters like UPS, American Airlines, FedEx. And that's doing that, Josh? we're still doing that. So. No way. That's cool, man. I, so, I got my license about 10 years ago. I'm just flying little tiny single engines and stuff just for fun. Oh, you get your pilot's license. See, I don't have my pilot's license. I just fix planes. Hey, I like it though. <laughs> you know, that's cool. I love it. I want to get my pilot's license. That hasn't quite happened yet. But but anyway, back in college, uh, when I was deciding what I wanted to do, I went with the AMP, the AMP way, airframe and power plant. Graduated that back in 2017, summer of 2017. Moved from Memphis, Tennessee, where my family's from, down here to Mobile, Alabama. Lived here for about six months, had just recently gotten married. And then my dad calls me up one day on some random midweek night in January of 2018. Tells me that he's got some news to tell my wife and I. I'm like, well, this is just weird. You know, how are you going to start the conversation off with? We got some news to tell you, you know, like it sounds like it's about to be horrible. And he says, your mom and I are about to spend $40,000 on this course that's going to teach us everything we need to know on how to flip houses. I'm like, what the heck? 40 grand. Like, I know you guys aren't independently wealthy. Where's the money coming from? Why this course? Why now? Why really? This is about three years ago. Yeah. I had so, so (laughs) many questions. And the conversation ended up being about four hours long. At the end of it, the idea of real estate was kind of, was peaked, had, was now in my head. And I was like, okay, this is something that I could seriously do. You know, I was 21 at the time. I could really do this. I could really get out of this W2, even though I just started it six months ago and live a more, a life filled with freedom, basically kind of what a lot of people are chasing when they're investing in real estate. And so we ended up getting into wholesaling at first. I probably read 40 books that year, which is more books than I'd ever read in my entire 21 years of existence. I was going to three different local real estate meetups. I was listening to all the podcasts I could get a hold of, Bigger Pockets, and everything else. Sounds like you fully immersed yourself in it, which is what I it takes. Definitely was people, trying to. Yeah, the people that are that are here today that have, have had any history at all. You know, versus those who aren't are the people that fully immerse themselves and they don't treat it as a hobby. It's the, they jump right in full, full time. Love it. Tried to go all in. And it's one of the local meetups that I went to, the speaker, the leader, 
said that wholesaling was the best way for newbie investors to get in. And then, you know, there's low risk. You didn't have to get approved for loans. You didn't have to have any money. A lot of the things that I was like, okay, it'd be kind of cool. Get a baseline level of knowledge, get a little bit of money on a couple of assignment fees. So we tried it, did it for about five, six months, spent money on marketing. Meanwhile, didn't close a single deal. Um, I'm sure we just weren't marketing correctly or we weren't marketing to our buyers correctly or uh, the deal sucked or I don't know, but we didn't close anything. So we thought, okay, this isn't really what we want to do anyway. So we might as well go ahead and pivot to the buy and hold strategy because we want the passive income. At the end of the day, that's really what we're striving for. So about right. two months later, we bought a fourplex. We house hacked it. And I tell people we quote unquote syndicated it. It's really before I knew what syndication was. All I knew was that everyone and their mom told me that if you don't use other people's money, then you won't really get far in this business. I said, well, I don't really have any money anyway to buy this fourplex. So using someone else's money sounds like a great idea. So I remember that conversation I had with my dad, called him up and he was like, sure. And basically gave me the money for the down payment. We did like a handshake deal for the equity and that was it. That was the beginning intro to my investing in real estate as a whole, but also in what you could say is syndication and then house hacking. So through that experience, the fourplex, it ended up becoming a living nightmare. It took like a year and a half to renovate when it was only supposed to take six months. I ended up having to do basically everything all the way from the foundation to the roof. And that was not the intent. I didn't know how to do any of that stuff, but I figured if I could fix an airplane, I can fix a house. Can't be that difficult. So I just started grinding because we kept running across issues with the loan program that we were using and the house that we had bought, which is 100 years old. So I was basically buying problems. Um, but then fast forward six months into having bought that and I was continuing to educate myself and learn more about multifamily. Because even though this particular deal was somewhat of a catastrophe, even though we didn't lose money on that deal, thankfully, we actually went full cycle with it in January and we made like two grand, <laughs> but we didn't lose any money. So thank you. lose money. That's the main thing. But the experience was phenomenal. So even though we, things weren't going according to plan with the fourplex, I knew I liked having more than one unit under one roof. I knew that that was the way to do it if I was going to really grow wealth and grow wealth much quicker than taking a decade or so. Mm -hmm. So I remember stumbling upon syndication, thought, oh, well, this is interesting. So I went to our local real estate meetup that month where the get, I, there was a guest speaker coming to speak from Pensacola over to Mobile to talk exactly on multifamily syndication. And he had been in the game for like 10 years. He had like 1,200 units at the time. I'm like, man, this guy really knows what he's talking about. I want to hear what he has to say. So I go to the meetup, meetup ends. And I remember just being like in awe, like, starstruck dumbfounded like okay this i this is officially solidified everything you know this is what i need to do 100 percent. this sounds amazing every possible strategy imaginable can is like you know out the window this is what i want to do so i remember talking to the speaker afterwards found out we both had aviation in common that's kind of how we clicked then from there i took him out to lunch the following week he's kind of been my mentor ever since so fast forward to today uh, now I have two business partners. We've since closed a 21-unit single-family portfolio, a 42-unit apartment community, 34-unit apartment community, a single-family luxury flip, just kind of a one-off, 
Um, and then we've got another 148 units under contract and then another 88 units under contract with another four Damn, to 500 200 under contract already. Eh? With about another four to 500 units worth of LOIs out. And we're trying to hit a thousand units this year in 2021. Man, I love it. You guys are blowing up. So when did you really start buying aggressively? We didn't actually close our first multifamily syndication until December 30th, 2020. So it's been what, four, not just barely over, not even four months. And we've closed 91 units and have another 236 on our contract. Man, you guys hit the ground running. I love it. <clears throat> so Josh, share with us the, um, <clears throat> The way you're doing this, you're, you're, you're syndicating. Explain to the audience right. what that means. What does syndicate mean? Syndication in its purest form or its most basic form is pooling together some kind of resource, which in this instance is capital, uh, from a group of individuals to buy an asset that will produce any, a desired result produce a result that everyone wants. So in this instance, we're pooling money together from uh, passive investors that don't want to be active in real estate, but they want the benefits of owning real estate. And so they're basically paying an individual such as myself to syndicate it, who has the experience, the knowledge, the know-how, and the time, the connections, everything else to do so, uh, the deal flow and everything. And in exchange, we are all able to take down these larger assets together because we're pooling our funds together. Whereas if it was just myself or just myself and my business partner, it'd be much harder to buy a multi-million dollar property than it is when you really bring a bunch of people in. And then the fact that you've now got this bigger deal, everyone gets a larger slice of the pie and everyone gets to enjoy the benefits of this of this larger deal. That's basically. Perfect. I love it, man. Thank you for explaining that. That was a great explanation. So a um, couple questions. What, where are you finding the partners, the investors to, 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 to do the syndication? And then on the flip side is once you get the, the people and the money on board, where do you find the deal or is the, is the order reversed? So I think you do need to have some kind of relationship with people that have capital before you really go searching for deals because yeah, you will hear you will typically and you will hear a lot in the syndication space or the multifamily space that if you get a great deal the money's going to come you know the money's just going the floodgates are going to open and folks are just going to start throwing money at you no one's throwing a dime at you no one is interested right. in you or your <laughs> when deal. has anybody ever thrown money right at you? Right? right. Because they don't know you. They don't know what you do. They don't know if you're even any good at syndicating. You could have the best deal on the market that no one else has like access to and no one's going to invest with you and you're not going to be able to raise any money because you haven't built any relationships. And then you're stuck to this, you know, 30, 45, 60 day time frame to close. And it's just not going to happen. So I think you definitely need to have those connections and those relationships with investors before finding the deal. But it's also a catch-22 because if you've never invested before, then they're like, well, you know, why would I invest with you? You've never done anything before. Where's your track record? So there's some things and some workarounds that you can do there. A lot, a lot of that is comes from friends and family. That was what really I had to do to get myself bootstrapped up off this. And I was also able to pull some credibility from my partner 
mm-hmm. who had been in the, the real estate space, not the multifamily space, but the real estate game for about a decade when we met. And so I was able to use his track record and his experience to be like, hey, look, I'm partnered with this guy. I know I haven't done a deal this size before. Uh, and he necessarily hasn't either, but we've had significant, he's had, you know, a decade worth of success. And here's a bunch of the deals he's done. And here's what that looks like. Here's some, you know, referrals from some investors. And I was really able to leverage that for credibility. But to answer your question, deals, we we're finding all of our deals from brokers. We actually did find one deal from my mentor, which was an amazing deal. Um, and thank goodness, it was actually our first deal, our first syndication. The Who's the mentor too? Is it somebody national or is it a local person? No, it was a very organic relationship. It was not someone that I paid for. So his name's just Jeremy Hands. Uh, he lives down here in Pensacola, Florida. And I just gave him a shout out. So maybe people will reach out to him and be like, I want I, <laughs> I need a mentor. I don't know. Hopefully I didn't screw him over there. But uh, he's been great. And it's been more of a mentorship from a Q&A standpoint, more so than a here's here's deals, here's money, here's capital, here's connections, here's relationships, here's brokers. Like it's basically none of that. It's just, hey, yeah, I've got this question. How do you do this? What are you guys doing about this? What do you think I should do about marketing? What do you think I should do about finding this or doing this? And he tells me what he does. And then he gives me advice on what I should do based on my current situation. Nice. So that's really how that mentorship has been. And we decided that we were going to find all of our deal flow from brokers because we thought about it. And would we rather create thousands of relationships with all these different sellers across the markets that we're interested in and try to do a ton of different touches with them before they ever give us a deal? And maybe we'll get lucky and get this unicorn deal. Or would we rather create really strong connections with like three or four high level brokers and their whole they, job. They're doing everything you just yeah, day in and day out is to make connections and find me good deals. So we decided the broker route was the way we were going to go. It really played a part in uh, the lifestyle we wanted to live as well as the business that we were trying to grow and create. So we decided to go through brokers, but to finish the, to go back full circle and finish the answer to this, this two-sided question <laughs> On the investor side, I've actually raised all the money I've ever raised from social media. Uh, I actually did a 30-day money-raising challenge in July of last year, in 2020, during the peak of COVID, uh, and was able to go from only having raised about $100,000, $150,000 in my, what was then, two-year journey, to raising $6 million in 30 days. And so at that point, I really found out that social media was extremely powerful and that there was something I was missing. There was something that I had then realized of how many people do I know that had been in my inner circle for a while that had no idea what I was doing. And I haven't been explaining anything. And I haven't, because I hated social media before that challenge. I finished that challenge with the 6 million and was like, I've got to be on social media more, you know, even, even if I'm just talking about utter and complete randomness, or I'm just talking about how my dog took a dump on my face last night while I was sleeping, you know, the, the randomest, most crazy thing, you'd be surprised how interested folks become in you when you've got this, when they've got this emotional connection to your story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all the money we've raised from, or me personally has been primarily from social media. 
Wow, that's very impressive. I have not heard that in the in the past uh, about it being you know directly or specifically from social media with the uh, with the other guys that do syndication. I love it, man. You're hitting the ground running, and uh, you guys are doing awesome, Josh. That's great. So, what's next for you? Are you going to just keep growing? What's the goal? How big are you trying to get? And um, are you going to do this part time until you no longer need to fix? airplanes or are you doing that do you are do you like doing that is that something that you are going to continue to do even in once you get into the you know thousands of units i enjoy turning wrenches you could say it's i'm not like miserable when i go to work mm -hmm. but i definitely do not want to do that long term i want to work for myself i want to go full-time in this business i want to grow it i want to continue outsourcing things I want to have more time to be an amazing husband and an amazing father. Uh, Good family, answer, man. Family like for me is more important than anything. So that is the direction I've been headed in ever since I was only two months into the marriage, you know, mm -hmm. back in, in January of that year. So to answer your question, where we're headed this year, specifically, we're trying to hit a thousand units. Uh, and primarily the purpose for trying to reach that is so that we can quit myself, my wife, and one of my partners can quit our W2s and go full-time in our syndication business and really get it up off the ground and start, you know, hitting the ground running. But our three-year outlook, uh, what, what we call our vivid vision for where we're headed as a company is actually right here on the wall. Um, and we're trying to hit a million dollars uh, in assets under management in the next by December 31st of 2023, trying to hit a million dollars and trying to get, you know, thousands, you know, thousands of units up to that point. I don't know what that's going to look like. We're more looking at it from a financial perspective than a unit count, but hundred million dollars. And we're trying to make an impact, um, which I think a lot of people say that they're trying to do or say that they that they want to do but we really want to give back we want to be able to give a hundred thousand dollars that year away to charity we want to take the whole team to a a lower i'm trying to think of the the correct verbiage to use an underprivileged city uh, in the united states we did not want to go to a third world country or do anything crazy we wanted to stay inside the u.s and help uh, <coughs> help Americans from that perspective. Uh, so I wanted to take the whole team to do that. And we really want to create a company culture of, of fun, <laughs> of adventure, of creativity, of happiness, family, generosity. Uh, and from a lot of those things, we've got a lot of things that we're striving for as far as doing a 30 hour work week instead of a 40 hour work week. One day a week has to be a day of fun, has to be a day that is going to re-energize you, make you, you know, you you're either going to be bonding with the team if you're local or if you're not local, you can go out with the family, you can read a book, you can go kayaking, fishing, boating, hiking, mountain climbing, it doesn't matter. Whatever you enjoy doing that like really re-energizes you, that's, that's the intent there. So we're really trying to create a, a company culture of, like what I said, generosity and that's it. I mean, that's, if you actually wanted to read the whole Vivid Vision, it's actually on our website. No, I, I see it on the wall behind you. That's really cool, man. It's, it's a lot of vision. I like it. It's a lot. It's a, it's, but you guys have some really good goals. 
So what are the, um, so we talked about the goals. Let's talk just briefly. What's the plan? How are you guys going to get to a thousand units this year? And, and then take this thing on to, you know, to the, out to the moon for the most part. What's the plan? That's a good question. Primarily, I think this business is massively network-based, um, you know, with your net. It's the cheesy cliche saying of your network is your net worth, mm -hmm. uh, but it's so true. So we're just continuing to try to meet folks. I'm kind of head of marketing, head of investor relations in the company. Mm -hmm. So I'm very heavy in social media. It would, I've got doing all the back-end CRM work, handling the investor portal, raising the majority of the money for the deals we've got, and handling a little bit on the acquisition side from the relationships that I build with other brokers and markets that we're interested in. So the goal for us this year to really hit a thousand, you know, we've got the 91 now plus the 236. That's what three, I'm horrible at math in my head, 350. I don't know, something like that. Mm -hmm. So to reach the rest of the way, the, the basic goal is to get, you know, 250 units every quarter. Mm -hmm. uh, and then with that, we should be able to hit that thousand unit goal. Um, and so the way that we're actually going to get there with the 148 we have is the biggest deal we've done to date. And so we didn't actually meet net worth and liquidity on that. But if we didn't have the relationships and the connections that we did at the time when that deal came about, we might've just had to pass on the deal because we wouldn't have had the connections or the ability to close on it. But we had the connection with a KP team, a really awesome KP team, and we were able to bring them onto the deal with us. And they've actually become somewhat of a liaison, I guess you could say, uh, the brains of the deal. And they've introduced us to some really amazing things they've been doing in the game for years and years and years. They've got a couple of thousand units. And they introduced us to a new deal structure that we had never thought of before. And it's a perpetuity deal structure instead of the standard syndication model of the five to 10 year flip. It's like, Nope, we're going to buy it, hold on to it forever. So it's definitely an interesting twist, but at the end of the day, if you think about it, most folks that get in the buy and hold game, they get in real estate. The main purpose is passive income. So why sell something? If you know that it's going to continue to grow in equity and grow in appreciation, and you're going to be able to continue to depreciate the asset and, you're going to continue to get cash flow. Cash flow is going to be higher and higher because you're doing all the debt pay down. Like I think at the end of the day, that's, that's what makes sense, but we just never really thought about it that way because that wasn't the way that like 99% of syndicators are syndicating. So when right. we were introduced to this model, we're like, Holy cow, this is amazing. We need to do this model and maybe not do this model solely still keep the, all the other tools in our toolbox and tool belt for, when other opportunities arise, but this is something that works perfectly for this deal. And we're super excited about it. But basically that was a big roundabout way of saying we brought on a KP team in order to be able to tackle the 148 units. So the goal eventually is to be able to tackle everything in house with just the three of us business partners. But and what does KP uh, team stand for? Key principle. Uh, key like key principal. key principal partner so they handle all the net worth liquidity a lot of the bank financing things uh they put all the risk capital up for us so we didn't have to put any of that up we were able to stay as liquid as possible for any new deals new opportunities that came about plus deals that we already had sure um and so that that was what we felt was going to be the best option for us in this deal plus honestly like i was mentioning earlier we wouldn't have been able to do it had we not brought anyone on so moving forward 
The goal is for just the three of us to continue doing deals, getting to the point where we can. But since we know that we can't right now, we're probably going to be continuing co-GPing or co-sponsoring or partnering with other syndicators or with other partners in order to achieve the goal of a thousand units this year. And then the goal is going to be continued to scale. Yes. But there might be um, a bit of a slowdown quote unquote, you could say as far as we don't want to just do a deal just because it's a huge deal that we got to bring a bunch of people on. We only want to do deals that make sense financially from the baseline kind of underwriting analysis that we've been taking uh, the underwriting analysis approach that we've been taking on every deal. Uh, we don't want to basically get to the point where we're like, Ooh, this 350 unit deal came our way, 350 units. That'll get us to our goal, but not really because the purpose of the units is the financial piece of it. And so we want to make sure that we're still doing that. So, so I'm going to interrupt you real quick. What makes it a good financial piece deal? What are you guys looking for? It's not a number count obviously, right. but the goal is a number count. But in order for you to make that, that something that comes across your desk, a deal, what are you guys typically looking for? How do you, how do you from the hip, analyze um, a large multifamily deal that would be syndicated? From the hip, we're looking for something that's going to return 100 or 200% of member capital in a five-year time frame. So if we're looking at a standard uh, five-year flip, what most folks do the five to 10 year whole period on a deal, then it needs to get, get all of my investors capital back and then double it in that same five year time frame. Doesn't do that. I don't really care to look at it. Doesn't make much sense for us. Doesn't make much sense to spend all that time just to not make what we know our time is worth. Basically. So how, are you, so how are you doing that? Are you typically, I'd imagine you're using leverage for one, and then for two, are you looking for value add opportunities? Mostly value add, yes. Um, and I think value add is one of the most overused words in, <laughs> in real estate in general, but also in, in multifamily and in syndication. But yes, value add from a perspective of income and expenses, since multifamily is is valued just a little bit differently, where you actually can directly control the value of it based on NOI. So if we can increase expenses or decrease, not increase expenses, increase income and decrease expenses, then we can actually increase overall NOI, which is going to increase the actual value of the property times whatever the market cap is for that specific property. I know that was high level, probably confused some folks, but no, I, I totally follow. That's the basic analysis of of deals there. Um. So to go back to your question, which was, what was your question again? <laughs> um, basically, how are you achieving a 200% return to the investor in five years on a deal? Basically, the question was to achieve that, what are you looking for in a deal and how are you, how are you accomplishing it? So, so you know, I had mentioned be- that I, would, I figured you guys were using lots of leverage because then if the property goes up, you know, 50% and you don't have that whole amount in there, you can multiply returns that way. But also I would think that you would have to be finding properties that would allow for a value add. And and I agree value adds a a loosely used term, but essentially it, you know, you can add value in a lot of ways to multifamilies. You know, the first 
an easiest way is to get the thing occupied, right? If it's not fully occupied, get those numbers increased, right? Um, and then of course, reduce expenses, but you may have to go in and put a bunch of CapEx into the property to increase the rent. So there's lots of different ways. I'm assuming you're using all these strategies. Yes. Before COVID, we were using a lot of strategies on the income side where it's like, okay, let's add some more amenities. Let's add some Wi-Fi connectivity. Like let's include that in the rent. Let's throw in some Rhino insurance security deposit options. Let's throw in X and Y and Z and dog parks. And let's throw in all these things and these nice appliances make the interiors nice. And then from that perspective, from kind of a desirability perspective, as well as overall interior capex we were able to bring rents to market in that particular area but after covid we took a little more of a conservative approach from the standpoint of okay you know whatever market is we're just going to pretend like say it's 700 dollars a month for this one unit uh we're going to pretend like for the next year or two that's not going to go up at all due to what the heck's going on? We don't know what's happening. We're just going to write, underwrite conservatively and plan for the worst, hope for the best, basically. So we were having to look more heavily on the expense side of things. And we were starting to streamline some property management. We we're able to actually eliminate payroll altogether and get a great property management company in that we have used before on some deals and they are all vertically integrated from a lot of different standpoints, from construction, from lease, leasing management to asset management to a whole bunch of different aspects. He has a bunch of different arms. And because of that, he wanted to grow his company. And so we we're like, Hey, here's 42 more units. You know, what can you do with that? He's like, well, that definitely helps me grow my company. So I won't charge you any payroll. Cause I actually want to bring on employees myself. And so I'll just pay for all that in house and charge you one flat flat rate. So that was something that was able to help us on the expense side. Also able to and put in some, some rub models, uh, which is basically charging utilities back to tenants. If there's only one water meter for the whole place, instead of us paying for the water, we're saying, okay, based on the square footage that your unit is and the average of what's used on a monthly basis, here's what your monthly water bill is going to look like. And we would back charge them on that. Um, we've also been able to cut some, some legal expenses with some attorney connections that we have and cut some construction CapEx, uh, prices from a material standpoint, since materials continue to go up and up and up, we've actually created a connection with a specific, uh, material provider that's able to give us about a 20 to 30% discount on average just not, and not even from like a bulk perspective, not because we're buying in bulk, but more so just because they had this connection and we made the connection with them. <laughs> so that's really how that's working. There's also water conservation things that you can use. Uh, we've looked into installing fancy water flow, low flow, like toilet. Oh, you are the king of value add. We've looked into a lot of different <laughs> You say, things. I don't like this value add term, man. You just named like a hundred things you can do to add value. Josh, I love it, man. I love it. So you're syndicating using social media, mind blown. You guys are, are going in and um, what kind of leverage are you typically using? We didn't get to that. All of the financing that we've done to date has been local banks. So we felt that 
And are you guys one, getting 80% loans typically, or how's that, what's yeah. that look like? From 80%. the local banks, we've been getting 80%. Uh, I love it. But, but here moving forward, we're looking at 75 to 80%, just because we're moving into agency debt, at least on this big uh, 148 unit deal. And we felt that one, it was somewhat of a necessity for us to use local banks on the beginning deals because we didn't have any agency experience. But two, these all recourse loans. Yes, that's the downside of using a local bank. But two, we saw that everything going on with COVID. When you use a local bank, you have no COVID reserve requirements. You have no yeah. field maintenance. You have yeah. No- I got about fifty loans with, with local banks. You know, more more so for individual yeah. single families or small duplexes or whatnot. But uh, yeah, the local banks are—they're really uh, great. I love working with them. There are pros and cons everywhere you look, of course, with with anything, right? But uh, man, Josh, you are doing awesome, man. Um, so you are syndicating apartment deals. You're using local banks, typically working on eighty percent loans, and you have built a good relationship base with just a couple of brokers. Who, are, who already do all the marketing and know all the people locally and all the owners. And, and, and I love the fact that, you know, you guys are looking to make it a lifestyle business. You had named like 50 cool hobbies earlier too. And we were talking about, you know, letting people uh, have that, that one day extra off a week and getting down to, you know, a, a 30 hour week and having a full extra day off here and there. So you've got the lifestyle business built out. Um, it's only a matter of time before you guys hit those thousand units and, uh, and you no longer have to, you know, have the job turning wrenches. It sounds like you kind of enjoy it at the, at the same time. So that's really cool that you're not like in a, a big hurry. Um, but I take my hat off. If I had one on, I would take my hat off to you, Josh, because you're doing great, bro. You are you've literally only been at this for three years and you're only 24 years old, man. You're, you're, you're so young. Um, so by the time you're 30 years old, you're going to be an owner of, you know, multiple thousands of units. And, uh, that's going to be really, really cool. It's really cool now, of course. Um, so guys, if you have not heard of Josh or are not already following him, go check him out over on LinkedIn and Facebook, Joshua Ferrari, J-O-S-H-U-A. And I believe Ferrari is spelled like the car, but I don't even yep. know. F-E-R-R-A-R. I. And then also Josh has a website, FerrariCapital.com. And that's, I would assume the name of his business. And um, Josh, you're in Mobile, Alabama, right? Did I, did I get that right? Yep. Mobile. Mobile, Alabama. So if you are listening to this show or you are watching this show and you have an apartment building that you want to sell, or you have some extra capital and you're interested in being an owner of a multifamily type units, but you don't want to deal with the buying or the managing, connect with Josh. That's what he does. And you can do so either on those two socials, LinkedIn or Facebook, or go or by, or by going directly to his website at FerrariCapital.com. What markets are you in right now? Is it basically just you know a 50 or 100 mile radius around Mobile or how are you guys selecting markets? So roughly, uh, I live in Mobile. One of my partners lives in Gulf Shores, which is basically the east side of the bay, uh, somewhat connected to Mobile. And then our third partner lives in Destin, Florida. So we cover from Panama City Beach all the way west into south or southern Alabama. But we haven't done any deals in Florida yet just because we haven't found anything that makes sense financially. So most of the deals we've done 
have been in Southern Alabama. And one of the deals that we have under contract now is actually in Montgomery, Alabama. So we've begun branching out into some of the more Northern MSAs of Alabama, as well as considering to move a little further West into Mississippi and Louisiana. Nice. I love it, man. You not only do you have really awesome goals, but you guys have a really good plan. And I'm going to be honest, I interview a lot of people and a lot of people have these awesome goals, but they don't really have the greatest of plans. You have both of those, Josh. So again, if I had a hat on, I would take my hat off to you, sir. Um, it's been an honor getting a chance to, to connect with you and interview you and learn about your business. And I'm truly grateful to have you on the show and to get some of your time today. What parting words would you give the audience, the listeners, the viewers, you know, if they are looking to get into multifamily acquisition with the funding strategy of um, syndication? They're looking to jump in. I'd say first you need to know what you're talking about. So I think education is going to play a big role, but then the caveat there is that you can't just educate yourself for years and years and years. You have to eventually take the leap of faith. And I think the leap of faith is going to come one with that baseline level of knowledge and experience from the education side, but two from actually getting out there to some of these local meetups or virtual meetups because of COVID or <laughs> masterminds or big courses or big conferences and just, or just social media, just getting out there and meeting other people that are doing what it is that you want to do and trying to create a seriously genuine connection with that person. Don't just attack it from what value can I add to you? You know, I'm, yeah, I so just want make long lasting, genuine relationships. Right. And it sounds like you're doing that with your investors. You're doing that with your brokers and you're also doing that with your partners. I mean, that's something that we constantly need to be doing to work on and building. I love it. Josh. Great answer. And again, thank you so much for coming on guys. Go follow Josh LinkedIn and Facebook, Joshua Ferrari, and you can check him out directly on his website over at Ferrari Capital dot com. I love it. Josh, thanks again for coming on. Signing off, guys. Until next time. See you then. Thanks for listening to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe to help us reach a wider audience. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, visit freewholesalecourse.com. The most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. We would also appreciate it if you left us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you in advance for your support. And remember, you make your money when you buy, you get paid when you sell. Now let's go build some wealth. Let's talk real quickly about how you make money in real estate. First step, you have to buy the properties right. You have to buy properties at a discount. The second way that you make your money in real estate is by knowing your numbers. This is super, super important. If you're implementing the Burr strategy, you have to know your numbers. Really cool tool we use to help us estimate our repair numbers more accurately is called Rehab Estimator Pro. Check out RehabEstimatorPro.com, use the promo code DPI, and you're going to get 40% off of the price. 
Rehab Estimator Pro has changed the way that we estimate our repairs. We used to kind of shoot from the hip. Uh, we use rule of thumbs. We use uh, square foot multipliers. And those things work, but this nails it down. Check it out, guys. RehabEstimatorPro.com. Use the promo code DPI.